move into our movie review, which this week is an animated film. It's a film, a little film, called... A little film with a big title called The Mitchells vs. The Machines. I Sometimes, uh, because we do social media and we have to type things out and do hashtags and stuff, yes. I sometimes start to really hate filmmakers for... And, and mostly people who write movies for making the titles of their movies so long. I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Like... Borat subsequent movie film with their whole that was chaos and then <laughs> like yes. all of it oh the Venom let there be carnage don't even get me started on that I'm like come on guys just call it Venom 2 let's just yes. if you want to call it let there be carnage like leave it out I don't need to be building a hashtag for that correct or um, put the two in and the colon that way we just know we can mark it no one has to say the rest of it you know that I think that'd be fair as well yeah I agree I agree um but let's talk about the Mitchells versus the Machines. First of all, a little background on this movie because this is a Netflix release, so I never know like what people hear about things. But it's available on Netflix. It's an animated film. Just search it there if you want to watch it. Is it my turn to synopse? It is. Oh, it is. Great. Well, then I can synopse it. I'll, I'll just uh, move right into it. So the Mitchells versus the Machines uh, comes to you from a duo that has, has risen to prominence over the years. Uh, by the name of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. They are the creative minds behind uh, Into the Spider-Verse. They wrote that movie. They wrote the Lego movie, the Lego Batman movie, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. So they have been around, and um, they are the executive producers of this film, so I don't want to lose that. Mike Rianda is the writer and director of this film. And oftentimes... Uh, Lord and Miller, as they're known in the industry, are not the directors of the films that they are known for. They're a lot of times executive producers or um, you know writers, whatever, but they have tons of creative influence. So that's why I'm giving them lots of credit, but definitely don't want to lose our director, Mike Rianda, in the, uh, in the limelight there. But this movie is an animated film, and that is what this duo does really, really well, is animated films. It stars an unconventional family called The Mitchells, who find themselves in the midst of a apocalyptic robot machine apocalypse where everyone in the world has been captured and loaded up into a spaceship and is about to be blasted off of the earth so the machines can can uh, be rid of them. And uh, they're the only ones who have not been captured. And so they find themselves in a position where they have to kind of save the world. But they are not what you would call a functional family. They are... All of them are individually weird. They have weird quirks and different things, and they just don't really work super well as a family. They all have insecurities. They have some of them have beef with one another, like the dad and the daughter. So it's this really um, interesting <laughs> plotline where they find themselves as as humanity's best hope against the the robot over throne. I don't know what I'm trying to say. That's, the robot, the robot mm-hmm. takeover. I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Yep. So, and Beautiful. what's really funny is that the machines in this case are like, um, they're called PAL. So basically it's like if Apple created, like took Siri and turned Siri into like a home assistant robot, which will probably actually happen at some point, to be honest. Yes. And then Siri turned on all of us for like poking at her and swiping and like dropping her in glasses of water, like basically getting like mad and petty about all that stuff and being like humans must die. That's basically yes. the plot of this movie. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a fun plot right off the bat and throw in the fact that it's an animated movie makes it all the more fun. So that's the Mitchells versus the machines. Kirk, did I miss anything? I think you nailed every aspect of it except for who we're going to give awards to That was perfect. 
Let's do it. Let's let's jump right on. We got no time to waste. The Oscar goes to this award goes to the best actor in the film, and mine is going to Miss Abby Jacobson, who. Uh, for those of you who watch Broad City, uh, Abby, Abby Jacobson was first, I mean, really broadly, if you'll excuse the pun, introduced to us. <laughs> in, that was so bad. <laughs> this is just who I am now. Now that I'm a parent, I just say these really corny things. I, I, that was not premeditated. It just oh, popped into my head. I loved um, it. I loved every moment of it. <laughs> but she came to us uh, through Broad City. For those of you who have seen that show, what a what an interesting show. It's uh it's very funny. It is very absurd. So it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's creative genius and at the same time. What I thought Abby did so well in this show or in this movie was she had to be a... Well, she was the protagonist, first of all. She was our protagonist, Katie. And she had to be the leader of the film, but also like has to be a member of this weird, quirky family, which as a voice actor is kind of a tough thing to do. But she did it really well. Like she did a really good job, like doing funny, crazy voices. Like she has a comedy background, so she was really perfect for this role. But like her and her little brother Aaron have this thing where they're like raptor bump or whatever. What I forget what it's called, like raptor claw. It's like their handshake, yeah. and they go like. Rrr. And she was yes. doing like those noises. She was like making voices, um, but also as the protagonist has to be able to get. Uh, serious and deliver heavy dialogue that drives forward the plot. And in this in this movie, she has a difficult relationship, sort of, with her dad, who's played by Danny McBride, um, Rick. And so she's working through that, but also delivering the comedy. And she just balanced it all so well. I, I don't I don't know how much voice work Abby Jacobson has done before this. I had only really been introduced to her in Broad City, but I thought she was excellent. I really thought she was the right choice for Katie, and I hope that she does more in the future because she was great. Yeah, it looks like she has. Uh, I had also not known about Abby Jacobson. Excellent choice. Uh, looking at her history, a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of stuff. So they picked a pro and they did it on purpose. Um, now that I'm looking at this, I looks like she's been in some college humor originals. And that's yes. what I think the very first thing I must have seen her on because um, I've not watched Broad City, but I've seen her in like little clips from it. And I'm like, oh, that girl looks really familiar. That's why. But she's been in Disenchantment, <laughs> Bob's Burgers. She had a little stint at BoJack Horseman. Um, and she's coming up in the uh, the new TV series, A League of Their Own. So that's going to be super exciting nice. for her. Excellent choice. My choice, I actually had to go ahead and give it to the dad, Mr. Rick Mitchell, played by Danny McBride. Good choice. I, I have been laughing at Danny McBride since I was old enough to watch um, Seth Rogen movies, basically, because he, he always tails along <laughs> in them. Uh, but luckily, he was able to to veer away from being, you know, this subsequent character and become uh, this larger than life comedian and, and actor. And I didn't know it was him. I didn't know it was him uh, as I was listening to the film. And I'm like, dude, I am laugh. I am I am snort laughing. I'm snort laughing. Who is this? Do I know them? I knew that Conan O'Brien had, had had a level uh, of voiceover work in this. And I was like, is it him? Did he trick me? He did not. He did not trick me. And I'm glad <laughs> for it, Mr. Conan O'Brien, because I listen to you every single week. Danny McBride, you are an absolute treasure. Uh, very, very dynamic in, in the same way that Abby Jacobson uh, was for for your your win and your pick. Um, I think it, one of one of my favorite moments, and it's such a small moment. He says, "What are we talking about? Robots? Not like robots." <laughs> but he says, 
robots and like right as they start attacking the earth and i just thought wow like way to take a line and like really make it memorable for just saying one word just one one inflection just totally like destroyed me i wasn't expecting it and he's his performance is very unexpected and that's exactly what i love so danny mcbride for the win love it yeah that's kind of like this whole movie in a nutshell is like very unexpected like sneaky hilarious um and just like it's a snowball effect of comedy where it like starts off and you're like getting little chuckles and man does it just pick up speed you're just getting like once once all of the like family dynamics and once the like first and second jokes are the groundwork is laid yeah yeah man they just compound and it just gets funnier and funnier uh it's it's really a good point i think it's funny i'm just gonna go on a side note right here i think it's funny you posted that thing on social the other day about like happy Gilmore and like which comedy makes you um, like gives you like huge laughs every single time you come back to it. And I think what's really funny is like I named three movies in, in reply to that and none of them were comedies per se. Like they, like our best comedy movies these days are not comedies. Like that genre is in such a weird spot in this movie. I would say being an animated film is really more of like a family movie than a traditional comedy, but is really funny. Um, so it's it's always interesting that my laughs always tend to come from like non-pure comedy movies these days. So I think that's an interesting trend to keep an eye on in film. Beautiful. And I would venture to say that this isn't a pure comedic film. You right. don't, they just don't exist anymore because uh, society has evolved and, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk deep. We'll talk deep on that later. Sounds good. Here on Popcorn for Breakfast. (laughs) All right, let's move into Scene Stealer. My Scene Stealer, and this is a person who needs no introduction, Maya Rudolph. We need to put some respect on Maya Rudolph's name. I, I think she is, and this is not just me being hyperbolous. I don't even know if that's a word, but she is one of the most underappreciated and underutilized performers that we have. She is the queen of comedy as far as I'm concerned. Like her and Kristen Wiig are the top of the mountain as far as as far as comedy goes in my opinion. And Maya Rudolph, her comedic range is just next level. And what's really interesting is they cast her like she often is cast in animated things as the mom of this family. Yes. Um, she's actually she's the mom in the Lego movie part 2 as well. Uh so they you know, are kind of playing off of that there. But she has the ability to like be that mom, but flip a switch in an instant to put on a hilarious voice impression, deliver a line with just like masterful comedic touch. There is a part in this movie where Aaron says, mom's scary now because she becomes like a samurai (laughs) killing robots. And it is hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. And it's because of Maya Rudolph. I just felt like, she was not really meant to be like the comedic lightning rod in this movie. She was more of like off to the side, but man, everything she did comedically was just killing me. I just, I, I wish I could have seen her face reading these lines because she has some of the best facial expressions in the entire industry bar none. She was expert level on SNL and her delivery of these lines was impeccable. She played Linda, the mom and Maya Rudolph, we need to appreciate Maya Rudolph while she's performing because, man, one of these days we're going to look back and be like, we did not appreciate Maya Rudolph. Yes. And I am not going to let that happen. 
Yes, yes. This is a pro Maya Rudolph podcast. That's right. And That's right. If we need to make shirts, we will. We really will. She is a highly underrated comedian. You people know her, but they really don't know like how really fantastic I she agree. was. Beautiful choice. Beautiful choice. Man, that was that was probably the height of my snort laughter when she came out. <laughs> oh man! You said samurai. I mean, I think they play some of the same music that they roll out in Kill Bill. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Dude, she just says my son you know when they when they try to take him into the into the honeycomb uh of of or the the rhombus uh of of the uh the, the the androids the robots it's it's so fantastic uh what her character evolves into so bravo Maya rudolph i'm sure you had a lot to do with that character for sure my scene stealer goes to mr and i'm gonna pronounce his name wrong mike rianda I, I also don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's the director of this movie as well. I'm going to say it twice, and then I want you to go find like uh, a newscast. Dude, and I tried. I literally, was. that's what I was doing 30 minutes before we went on the air. I was like, how do you pronounce yeah. his last name? Because I hate not being able to do that, but I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. What was that word? Uh, Laurel. Uh, and what was the... That Laurel had, and Yanny. Was, <laughs> Yanny. Mike Rihanna. Mike Rianda. Mike Rihanna. <laughs> that's what, that's what you, you should hear right now. But... This guy, he plays a number of characters. Um, he He's the director. Is that correct? Yes. Correct. Director is, and writer. Director, writer. He plays Aaron, most notably the son. He plays the Furbies. He is the voice of, yes, if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> there is a very long segment that Furby, the fantastic 90s icon toy, uh, returns, and he plays every one of them. He plays a talking dog. He plays uh, what's called a Wi-Fi enthusiast. <laughs> he He's the perfect blend, uh, specifically with Aaron, uh, the son and the slash brother. He's the perfect blend of an, of an adult um, using satirical references to to kind of incite emotion into like, this is what kids sound like. <laughs> and also like genuine earnest like tapped in consideration to what a kid would sound like as well so there are there are moments where he's playing off of it that everyone knows like we'll never get that back as adults and you know tear that's sad and then moments where it's like whoa like he just transcended back into his childhood and i think that that is just so so fantastic and um i had no idea he played multiple roles in this but duh because the man's voice is rich. Um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised like with this giant cast that like Seth MacFarlane didn't join this cast and like really <laughs> help help play just for fun. You know, why not? The, the, the fact that this guy has uh, been around for so long and this is really my first like dive into his stuff. I'm a little ashamed, but I'm here for it. And I'm, I'm really I really appreciated his work in this film. Yeah, he's it, it's such a great pick, and actually, kudos to us. We we somehow randomly managed to pick every member of the Mitchell family as in our superlatives. So that is pretty awesome. Uh, I almost went with Mike Rianda as well. Um, he is known for his work on Gravity Falls, which has yes. uh, like a huge cult like following. It's not a community that I am a member of, but maybe I will now. I don't know. Like that that show might be might be really good so i i thought he was excellent so great pick great pick i love it all right let's move into showstopper and the thing about this movie that really knocked my socks off there were a lot of things actually i i i expect to give this movie a very favorable score which you'll hear in a little bit but um 
for me, it's the the big finale, the big finish yeah. where yep. you, you know that it's coming. They are going to come face to face with a huge robot army and have to do work. And you know that being a family film and being, you know, a Lord and Miller executive produced production, that it's going to be a huge, colorful uh, finale. And it did not disappoint. They are flying through the air while live your life by ti and rihanna is playing in the background <laughs> yes. you know, they're saying Maya, he, my it's just like and and they've laid the groundwork for this masterfully so they've built it all up you know they're laying all the groundwork for this finale and it just delivers at every turn it's like boom there's a reference to earlier boom there's something closed off that they opened up earlier like closing all the things they needed to close, resolving all the things they needed to resolve, hitting jokes for the fifth or sixth time to yes. make it like really, or, or the, I guess the third time, because right, jokes come in thirds or whatever. That's um, right. But they're, they're hitting it for the final time and it's just delivering. It, it was masterful. I mean, just truly a masterpiece. And I actually rewatched the finale before I came into the studio tonight because it's just such an enjoyable viewing experience as someone who loves animated films and who loves uh good family fun and, and it just it delivered in the best possible way so big finish the big finale it, it delivers and i loved it it was so incredible yeah the, the typical rule of comedy is three jokes but somehow somehow this man got around <laughs> it I mean, they're one of I've got two showstoppers because I could not let this slide. The dog in this oh, movie, Manchi, Manchi, and another member of the family. the The family. The movie is called The Mitchells versus the Machines. Then you have to make every member of that family count, including the dog. Dog, pig, loaf <laughs> of bread. <laughs> the 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 mere fact that it starts off as just a just a random joke to make fun of how dumb looking this dog is <laughs> and then it turns into a device that's like doyx machina that saves them all uh, that leads them to to the path uh, of of uh, of winning in this in this grand war uh, between humans and and robots manchi is the king i mean <laughs> that i don't understand how they did that i did not expect that but they they really just uh, they really destroyed it. It was funny because at the beginning of this movie, I I was kind of tuned out. Yeah, I don't know if it was because there's a lot going on uh, throughout the entire movie, but really in the front like 10, 15 minutes, if you're not like strapped in and in a good mood <laughs> to watch this, you're not going to hang on. And I watched like that much, and I stopped and I picked it back up again. I was like, holy cow, this is fit. this is great. You know, I when when I came back to it and there are things that they do in this movie at the top of this that's like so predictable you're like oh this would be kind of cheerful and and fun and then totally just like hurt your side funny like and manchi was one of that and the second showstopper i have and i won't be long on this is that how they how they deal with messy life moments um so we've already hit on it briefly about this uh this i guess the psychology of comedy uh that they I mean, from tears to absolute absurd laughter in, in practically every scene. And they kind of mark these big moments in the film by doing that. Sometimes they they riff on it for a long time after. Uh, so it'll be a very poignant, dramatic moment. My heart is swelling in my chest and I'm, and I'm getting like all the butterflies. And then the next I'm rolling on the floor, raffle, literally, because it's so, so incredibly hilarious, the moments that they do. And when I, when I think about that, I think about like times that I've been in an argument with someone and then all of a sudden someone like i don't know 
uh, like farts. And then you just like start crying. Uh, <laughs> you were crying because you were so sad. And then you just start dying of laughter because you're like, how did that happen in this very horrible moment of, of an argument that we're going through? And I, I think that Mike Rianda, Rianda, Rianda really gets this right in how pure those moments are in this film. And, I, and it was throughout, throughout the entire film. And it was just so beautifully done. Love it. I love it. All right, let's go to the other side of the coin. Let's see what notes we have for our director in director's shoes. Um, if I'm putting my feet in the director's shoes, I think really this is more of a writer's shoes uh, section. I, I think for me, and the only real knock I have against this movie, I guess, is the predictability of it. I think that it is, I mean, you know five minutes in what we're getting into and, and the, you know, based on the title of the movie, it, it doesn't take long to figure out what we're building toward. And so I think that, you know, when they're building out the groundwork in the initial steps, kind of like what you're talking about, it's necessary and has to happen, but it, but it does, um, it makes it hard to, to sort of get into it at the beginning. Um, not extremely hard. It doesn't take too long, but there is some time where you're like, okay, I already know where this is going to go, so let's go, you know? But the, the groundwork ends up being worthwhile, but it, it does, like, the fact that you know what's going to happen the entire film, which in, in a lot of ways, if you watch enough movies, you kind of do anyway with most movies, but this one especially, like, you know how it's going to end the whole way, so you're just like, let's get on with it. So that, I think, um, was a little bit of a drag on it, and, and especially, like, this fits what, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller have done their entire career. It's these stories about how you have to be yourself to save the world and like um, people who conform or have the same ideas as everybody else are not the people who save the world. It's people who have like weird, um, different ideas and you have to like get in touch with your weird, like great message. I love it. But it's like, we, we already knew. We knew five minutes in that that's how this was going to go down. So you, you kind of get this like, all right, let's get a move on. Um, so that that's my one note, I think, on this one. Beautiful. I loved how you said it's the weird people who save the world. That's true. And uh, I, was, <laughs> I was, for those listening only, I was pointing to myself and Cameron because... We're weird. Well, I mean, I don't want to say anything for you, but I'm I'm very weird. I'm okay I, with it. I'm at peace with it at this point. All right. We're going to save the world, man. You and me. You and me. God save us all. That's all I have to say. If, that, if, <laughs> if we find ourselves in this situation, it's going to be bad news. <laughs> it will be. My director's shoes. I think this film ran slightly long for me. Um, there was a point where we probably got really, really when the Furbies happened, I was like, how do you go anywhere up from here? <laughs> this is the peak of all entertainment. <laughs> I mean, they're dropping stuff like uh, Wake the Elder and The Reckoning is about... Like, just Let these... the Dark Harvest begin. <laughs> yes. Just such incredible um, uh, embellished statements. Uh, I mean, I had a Furby in my life and sure. that, I was horrified. And the fact that they tied that AI into this AI storyline blew me away. I digress. My my uh, review is getting too long, um, but I, I just thought that it had opportunities where it got on a good riff and it, it just kept the joke going. And while it landed the joke every single time, we can't continuously do, uh, do that throughout because then we lose track of that plot that we kind of know exactly where we're going. The goal of this movie was the journey. We knew the start. We knew the finish right out the gate. It's that simple. We know the title of the movie. We know what's going to happen. The journey is what is what made it so strong 
And we had to be just just be a little careful there, Mike Rianda, Rianda, Rihanna, uh, with how that goes about. So, <laughs> All right. I agree. I agree. Um, so let's move into overall thoughts and scores. I think when you look at the Mitchells versus the Machines, I these are these movies that get released released straight to streaming. And, and this is starting to change. I'll just preface my statement with that. But where you kind of lament that, you know, you're like, ah, oh, man, this movie deserved a theatrical release. It deserves to be seen by people. It deserves to be that hidden gem that somebody took a chance on one Friday night and it ended up being an awesome experience. Like you, I feel like at times these movies slide under the radar and people are just like, ah, it's a Netflix original. I don't want to check that out. Or ah, it's an animated original streaming movie. I definitely don't want to check that out. And in the case of this movie, that would be a mistake if you, if you had that thought. So, if for some reason you haven't seen the movie and you're still listening, uh, you got to check it out. It, it's it really is one that I would recommend, one that I will recommend to people going forward. I think it's a, a fun movie. It's a family centric movie. It's got a great message. Um, tons of tons of hearty laughs that are creative and and really well done. And it's just entertaining. It just you know it really is. So you know I think the predictability factor is is real and it's something that can affect the ability to keep your audience engaged. Um, you know, I find my, I found myself watching this movie over like nine sittings, mostly because my one-year-old was being a jerk and was crying, like not going to sleep and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm trying to watch. So mostly because of that, but also because like it's an easy movie to kind of like break up and, and do in chunks because you, you, you can't necessarily stay super engaged all the time, even though it's, it's absolutely hilarious. But Still excellent. Still in the nines for me. And I'm giving it a 9.3 out of 10 for The Mitchells versus The Machines. Beautiful, beautiful. Before I say my review, I just want to put a couple of quotes in your mind before we go. And just to you know, drag this thing out as much as possible. <laughs> uh, one, one thing, Katie's talking to Aaron. Uh, and she goes, Aaron, do you have a credit card? Because she wants to buy one of the robots. And he immediately responds with, I'm a child. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's just so so perfect. Um, they also, of course, the giant Furby as he's uh, coming out. The elder he says as, in Furby talk, me but in subtitles it says i will avenge my fallen children (laughs) i mean just so good man the brilliance of this we're talking about the raptor like handshake it's called raptor bash Uh, raptor bash yeah so good so good and then two more real quick uh as as katie is missing out on uh getting to her college on orientation week she says uh she gets like these videos from her friends and they're like we set up a slip inside in the dorms it's amazing and i think it goes on to say as they're sliding down like we're making memories and bonds for just so beautiful and the last one and this was another snort laugh that i had is that uh rick, rick mitchell the father um danny mcbride says beep boop bop they're trying to pretend to be robots to assimilate uh, and infiltrate in the big right, as the big battle is unfolding and he says beep bop boop i'm a robot just to try to <laughs> trick everybody and uh eric one of the robots that they have named and have brought onto their side he says all due respect, that's an offensive stereotype. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. I just, I had to lay those out there because those were some things that stuck with me that I just had so much joy over and and things that uh, I, I just want to, my kids are a little bit young for this movie, but as yeah. soon as they're a little bit older, I really want to pl- uh, play this for them uh, because they'd be horrified by giant Furby, and <laughs> which I was a little scared too. Yeah, if your honest. kids are like 9, 10, 
This is right in the wheelhouse. Yes. This is right in the wheelhouse. And uh, frankly, if your kid is 27 or 30 years old also, yes. because I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, for though for all of those reasons, and because they, they actually played Everybody Walk the Dinosaur in, in this film, uh, which is a fantastic <laughs> song, uh, I, I just think this movie, it kills it. Uh, 9.5 out of 10 kernels. Love it, love it. Big big scores are all around. And for those of you with the next Netflix subscription or for those of you with your parents' password, <laughs> uh, this movie can be yours at no additional charge. So be sure to check it out. Add it to your weekend viewing. Remember, the movie scene, as we talked about it beforehand, is about to pop off for yes. the summer. We got lots of big movies in the hopper. So check this one out before your calendar of movie watching gets a little bit too crowded with all the new things that are coming out. Um, that's it. That's our review of the Mitchells versus the Machines. And coincidentally, it is also the end of our episode. Thank you guys so much for watching us on the stream or for those of you guys that are listening to the podcast. Thank you for doing so. Got a couple of updates for you. I mentioned it on last week's podcast. Just want to keep it top of mind. The 52-week movie challenge is returning. It will return better than ever before. For those of you that read the blog, thank you for doing so. But we're taking this one to the screen. We're going to make it a video series. And right now, I'm just working at the kinks on figuring out how to make it um, as collaborative and as community building as possible. So we'll get that all sorted out, and we'll be watching movies together in no time. It'll be lots of fun. Um, we've got new email address that you guys can contact us at. Um, the email address is contact at popcornforbreakfast.com. That's popcorn the number four breakfast.com. So contact at popcorn the number four breakfast.com. If you guys have questions, comments, feedback, ideas for the show, things you want to hear, movies you want us to review, uh, we're all ears and, and you can reach out to us there. Um, I you can, also you oh, can create ahead. you can create a fake account and email us, um, but yeah. only nice things. Not if you're going to be like be mean, but just like like gifts and memes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like you want to give advice, but you think we won't listen to you because a, lo a long time ago we talked about how we don't take other people's advice, but we'll take it. We will <laughs> we take it. That? We promise. We did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Of course. That's about right. And uh, so just just share the love at that email address. We would love to hear from you. Yes, for sure. And also, uh, selfish plug here, if you guys are on Twitter and you want to get my movie and TV tweets but not my basketball tweets, uh, you can follow me at PFB underscore Cam. I got a new account that I just churned up there so you don't have to hear me yell about basketball and football <laughs> and baseball and you can only hear me yell about movies and TV. So uh, be sure to check me out there. But that is all we've got for you our original music is going to play us out. These guys are called Rhetoric. You know the name. Go check them out on Spotify, right. uh, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you can find it. And we will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.